Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I wish Mike Brown would have hired Urban Meyer last year when he moved away to be his uh, football Sven Galley. Let him go build it. Because he can build programs. I mean, you know, and Urban's smart enough. And here's the other thing about Urban. I hated that. Is it digress or regress? I hate to digress back. You can digress. You're not regressing. Okay. Talk about Urban. All right. I hate hate to digress going back to this, but he, he can build things. I yeah. mean, he builds leadership programs. He in- installs things. I mean, he, he he has a system. He puts it in place, and it runs, and he's not afraid to bring top-notch people in. One of the- well, he's going to have lots of opportunities, it looks like, Urban Meyer, to get back into the NFL. I don't know if he will or not, but uh, Dallas Cowboys, they're uh, obviously going to be done with Jason Garrett. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals need some help. Cleveland Browns need some help, and Urban's name is never far from the news. Good morning, everybody. It is a Monday edition, a Christmas week edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley in Arizona, where the Buckeyes will play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl on December the 28th, which, uh, wow, that's coming up on uh, Saturday already. Good morning, Mr. Spielman. Back late from a great NFL game, Washington and the Giants. That's why I love the NFL, because, I mean, I see two teams that absolutely are going nowhere and both coaches are in trouble and both general managers or presidents are in trouble at Washington and New York. And yet I see these guys coaching their rear ends off and players playing as hard as they can. And Dwayne Haskins starting it out hot. And unfortunately he got hurt. Terry McLaurin given everything he has, a guy named Donald Penn was a left tackle 14 years battling till the end. Adrian Peterson. I mean, that's why, I love pro football because these guys, at least in this game that I did, Bruce, they have such great respect for the game itself mm-hmm. and so much pride in what they put out onto the field. And there's no, there, you know, the interesting thing, and, that, and, and uh, the, just the difference in the uh, demeanors of both teams because there's no pointing fingers or yelling or screaming or shenanigans. Uh, that were going on during this game, and both teams obviously have had very frustrating years. In fact, there was nothing but encouragement for each other on both sides. I do want to make one correction. You said Urban going back to the NFL. Um, he's never been in the NFL. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So going back, I should have separated those uh, two statements with a comma. Going back yeah. into coaching. Right, to right, the right, NFL, right. or 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 even you know going back to the sport, I guess you right. could say in some other realm, as he's well, obviously people, still involved yeah. in the sport. But uh, some people might just not have known that you know when he was younger, maybe he had a stint in the NFL. We just wanted this. That's the, because it's an important thing. I mean, it is a, very important. I think it's an important factor when one may be considering hiring a coach to to come in in whatever capacity, whether that be general manager, president, coach. Who knows? Uh, Chris is on speakerphone back in Ohio. I'm in Arizona where the Buckeyes will play Clemson on Saturday in the Fiesta Bowl. Buckeyes arrived yesterday afternoon. They got off the plane. They went straight to practice. Uh, Don't panic. Old timers may have uh, flashbacks to uh, the 76 Rose Bowl where Woody did the same thing. And the players, after beating UCLA like a drum in the regular season, said, ah, yeah, we practiced as soon as we got off the plane. The guys wanted to go practice because, I guess, you know, your legs get cramped when you're a big old lineman. Josh Myers said yesterday at uh, Sky Harbor Airport they want to go practice, get the legs stretched out, get after it, because there's a ton to be excited about. 
uh, with this game. Uh, two teams that are evenly matched, and uh, I could give you all the numbers, but why don't I just let Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson head coach, explain how explain how he sees uh, the Clemson Tigers when he looks at Ohio State on film. Here's Marty Smith and Dabo Sweeney. As you've studied the Buckeyes on film, what really stands out? Complete team. I mean, <laughs> there's just no no weaknesses. I mean, they're really good on – they're a mirror image of us, to be quite honest with you. If you look at us statistically, you know, we're one in this, they're two in this. We're two in this, they're one in this. We're three in this, they're two – I mean, it's – we're literally mirror images of each other. Uh, and so really wasn't surprised to see that, you know, that statistical analysis. But when you watch the tape, I mean, they're, they're a complete football team just like we are. We're, we're, we're one of the few teams out there, top five in the country, in total offense, total defense. and. And, uh, and so were they. I mean, they're just really good. Uh, defensive line, strong. Uh, linebackers, really good players. Elite players in the secondary that can all run and cover, uh, just like we got. You flip it over to the offensive side, elite quarterback, elite running back, elite wide outs, elite offensive line. Uh, so it's like, it's literally a mirror image uh, of each other. You just. Yeah, it is a mirror image, Spiels. I mean, every every star you can mention at Ohio State, except for Chase Young, Clemson has a match. And every star you can mention for Clemson, Ohio State has a match, maybe except for linebacker Isaiah Simmons, the Butkus Award winner. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And we pointed out at the beginning of the year, I think after week one, that you know not many teams in the country can match up with Ohio State athletically, right? Nope. I mean, we've, we've talked about their superiority all over the field. Well, Clemson is one of those teams, Bruce, and that's why everybody should be excited about this matchup. I mean, I can think you can make an argument, and you know, LSU deserves the number one spot, no doubt about it, but on paper, at least, and maybe on film, that the two best teams are probably playing in this semifinal with Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Clemson 28-game winning streak, Ohio State, I think it's a 19-game winning streak, Ohio State leads the nation in scoring. Clemson is like number three, uh, but Ohio State's total offense is a little bit behind Clemson's. That's, you know, they're both affected by the fact that they had repeated blowouts and never played their starters or rarely played their starters into the fourth quarter. You flip it over on defense, Ohio State is uh, second in the nation in yards given up. Clemson is first. Clemson's first in points allowed, 10.6. Ohio State's tied for second, 12 points something. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's just amazing. I mean, I, I don't know what decides this game. I think there's great matchups. Uh, Everywhere. Wide receivers, Clemson's wide receivers against Ohio State's secondary. Ohio State's secondary is better. I think Clemson's wide receivers might be a tad better than Ohio State's, the quarterback, I don't know who's better. I mean, Fields and and uh, Lawrence were 1-2 in high school in the state of Georgia. It's got to kill the Georgia fans. They're both playing for other schools right now. But, uh, I mean, yeah. it's just – and both coaches are elite. I mean, there's everything's elite about it. And I, I looked this up yesterday. In the last six years, Clemson and Ohio State have each lost seven games. I mean, they don't lose very often. And Clemson, the last four years, has two titles – Ohio State, you know, can win its second title of the playoff era, matching Bama and Clemson. So those three teams would have all six titles in the playoff eras if Ohio State runs the table and finishes fifteen and zero. Well, the one the one matchup that I'm going to be interested in seeing is the secondary wide receivers. But how do they play an elite quarterback? Right? Yeah. Because they haven't. Ohio State's defense have, has not had to face an elite quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. Now. I think you can make that argument with Clemson too. They haven't faced anybody uh, like Fields. No, they so, haven't. 
And so in the fact that Fields can run the football, I mean, it's interesting. You look down at it in his rushing yards. I mean, he's very efficient when he runs the football, and it's effective. And that's the one element, I think, that Ohio State's offense certainly possesses this year that maybe wasn't present last year, at least the game-breaking ability that he has. So uh, it's just a – it's what college football should be in the playoffs and everything. This is something that I'm excited about, you know, because for me, and I know this doesn't come down to um, for everybody, and I just think college football sometimes in the regular season is really boring, right, because it's just overmatched. Teams are overmatched. And maybe I'm spoiled because I do NFL games because we know that NFL, anything can happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> You just don't. I mean, look what the Cardinals did to the Seahawks. That was going to be the example I was going to use. Cardinals goes yeah. to goes to Seattle, and the Cardinals win. I mean, not only win, but dominate them. Yeah, beat them up physically. Yeah. And so, and you know, in college football, you don't have that week in and week out. Well, now we do, and this is the the battle of two great programs and really two really good coaches. And and I was thinking about Dabo Sweeney when this morning you told me we were going to talk about him. I mean. What this guy's been able to accomplish, right? Mm. It's just been amazing. Like no coordinator experience. So let's let's talk about that one second. Everybody thinks, okay, the natural progression to become a head coach is that you have to be a coordinator first and you gotta have to go through this protocol to become a head coach. Well Dabo, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Dabo was the wide receivers coach. That is correct. And they had their defensive coordinator when they fired Tommy Bowden. Their defense coordinator was Vic Koenig, who's not a name anybody will remember, but he'd had head coaching experience at Wyoming. And they also had on their staff, Tommy Bowden had an associate head coach slash offensive coordinator on the offensive side. So you figure if you're going to replace Bowden midseason, one of those two guys, the D coordinator or the associate head coach offensive coordinator is going to get the job. Clemson's AD, and I'm remiss in not knowing his name, but he obviously thought Dabo had leadership tendencies. And... I mean, wow, you pick an unproven wide receivers coach as your interim head coach in the middle of the season. Yeah, and do you remember when Dabo got that job? I mean, he was a little over the top. I imagine he was excited, but the thing that I've been impressed with him most is his growth into that position. And not only has he been successful, but I think it's fair to say, at least in, in you know the current generation of college football, it's hard to argue that he's not in that top three or four guys in in history. Yeah, right I think now. I think he's. Uh, in fact, I wrote in our uh, the blog in the Spielman and Hooley newsletter this week, which you can get by requesting it uh, via email, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail dot com. I wrote he's a top five coach. I think Urban's a top three coach all time. I think Dabo's a top five coach all time. He had a losing season in his third year. But, you know, look, I, and I don't mean to denigrate Clemson, but but Clemson now is up there with. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Absolutely. As an elite uh, Oklahoma as an elite program, a fixture in the playoff. They were not that and had never been that until Dabo took them there. Elevation. Yep. So You're to, absolutely right. To build them into, and to really, you could, I would argue, they've wrested away from Alabama the the preeminent program in the country. When you win two of the last three and play for the third, and you're closing in on, you know, I mean, he's two wins away from a third one in four years. I think you are the it program. To build that in this playoff era, and we've talked about it, it's harder now. You got to win a league championship in a playoff game. You got to win a college football playoff. It's harder now than the poll era. 
I think is a remarkable accomplishment. Now he's been able to do it uh, for all. You know, you got to have a play. You got to have players. You got to develop players. He's had incredible continuity on his staff. When you look at the turnover in the staff at Ohio State, even from the last time these two teams met out here in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, Ohio State's got different offensive coordinator, different defense coordinator, different head coach. Clemson, it's Jeff Scott's going to USF after this season, but they've essentially got the same exact staff, and that staff continuity is big when you're trying to build that. Well, he's been able to hold on to Brent uh, Venables, their defensive coordinator, yep. because he can pay him a, uh, a lot of money. In fact, I'm not saying money's the only factor, but, you know, it certainly helps when – People are coming after him, and Dabo's saying, "Well, here's another 500 grand if you stay." Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just—it's not going to hurt. And and Brent's done a, a tremendous job down there too with that defense. And people can make an argument, "Well, he's played in the ACC." Well, you know, quite frankly, I think people can make an argument, "Well, he's coaching in the Big Ten. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it, and the the irony of it is Dabo's an Alabama guy. He was a, I think he played wide receiver and was an assistant coach at Alabama before he went to uh, Clemson. Walked on at Alabama, uh, earned a scholarship, and became a starter on their national championship team that beat uh, Miami in the Sugar Bowl under Gene Stallings in, I'm going to say, early 90s. I know Ohio State was at the Citrus Bowl that year because I remember watching the game from Orlando. So it's 94, 5, 6, somewhere in there. Yeah. I think yeah, you're right. Tony Langham had to pick six, if I remember. Correct. Correct. Yeah, stole it away from somebody and took it in. And then Dabo went into he coached for a while. Then he went into private business. Then he came back into coaching, and obviously he's found his niche. And he's uh, and he and Ryan are very similar. You know, they they talk a lot of leadership concepts and things like that, and caring for their players. Uh, indivi- you know, individually, Dabo talks about his goal is when we leave a movie theater, I want people to. I want it to look like we were never there. I don't want us to have an entitled program. Ryan preaches the same concepts. They preach the same toughness concepts and all that. But it's about players, too. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Jackson Carmen, the five-star offensive tackle, that's going to be one of the matchups to watch. Kid out of the Cincinnati area. Clemson got him two years ago. Now he's faced off against Chase Young. Jackson Carmen hasn't given up a sack this year, according to some of the advanced analytics. For me, I can't figure out if this is going to be a, close, uh, a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. I do think it's going to come down to who can protect their quarterback. And if Ohio State's offensive line can protect Justin Fields, that's advantage Ohio State. If Clemson can protect Trevor Lawrence, that could be lights out for uh, for Clemson. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, you're you're right, and that's. You know, we can say that pretty much about every every game that we see. You know, it's that protection does matter, and third downs, and turnovers, and. All that good stuff. The, the the exciting thing is is that when Dabo started off, you talk about elite, right? You're getting the best college players in the country, and I I can't tell you how many future NFLers are on both rosters, mm-hmm. but it it's got to be in the 60s or 70s. Just, I mean, total roster, right? Yeah, right. It, it just has to be because of of the ability to uh, recruit talent and uh, I, I think you're right about building programs. There's there's few guys that have that skill uh, and to be able to build it from basically the ground up, which uh, Dabo did. I mean, there was a pretty good foundation there, but to be able to elevate it uh, to the level that he's elevated is certainly impressive. And I don't know what's more impressive, what Dabo's done or what Urban did when he had 
Ohio I State. I, in the Ohio State, which maybe some people around the country might have thought, well, Ohio State hit its ceiling. Then Urban comes and blows the ceiling open. Correct. It takes it to a new level. He did. So. And I mean, and you could also, and I would put, you know, I, I hate to extol Dabo without extolling Ryan Day. Now, it's too early to put Ryan Day, you know, in, in, to rank Ryan Day. But sure. But to even have Ohio State fans, and look, I'll put myself in that category. I've said Ryan Day's the, the perfect coach for this team at this time. But to even have Ohio State fans not miss Urban after one year, a coach who in seven years never won fewer than 11 games, never lost more than two games, to have Ryan Day transition in and to have no one, you know, even I've not heard a single thing. Well, you know, if we had Urban this or Urban that. Uh, now, you may get there. We may. But but right now, no. Uh, and Ryan's done a phenomenal job with this team. And, uh, you know, just it's, it's a wow moment. You were talking about the NFL talent. Let's think about the NFL talent that was on the field the last time these two teams played. Clemson had three guys on a defensive line that were all first-rounders this past season and a fourth-rounder. Deshaun right. Watson, Mike Williams. Uh, they had uh, Wayne Gallman at running back. Ohio State's NFL talent on that team. Nick Bosa, Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, Sam Hubbard. Uh, on the offensive side, Curtis Samuel. I mean... It'll be fun in five years to look back on these two rosters and see how many guys were first-round picks and are currently playing in the National Football League. Yeah, it's just uh, it's amazing. So I'm excited for it, and uh, I can't wait. And uh, when is the game, actually? game is Saturday, and it is at uh, 8. They say 8 o'clock, but it'll be 8.30 at least okay. because the LSU-Oklahoma game will be played before it. So, uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to. Well, I be- have. Yeah, I'll be there. I I actually have a great game this week, and it's a. I I want to give credit to our our crew at Fox because, you know, week seventeen you kind of can judge what your what your crew think, what the the bosses think of your crew and the job you did all year. The game we have, I think, is the best game of the week because it, the most is on the line. We have the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants. Wow, is, nice uh, Eagles. Uh, yeah. Eagles win. Eagles. They are in yeah, NFC East if, champs. Yeah, if they lose, they're out. And and Dallas, and, and if Dallas, of course, beats the Redskins, which I anticipate that to happen. But it's uh, I just want to. I don't know if any of my um, team listens to this, but I, I just think it's uh, it's really cool that the, all the hard work and you know I've shared with you how important teamwork is in a television yep. broadcast, and not only just between Tom and. Shannon and myself, but with the producer, the director, the associate director, all the research guys, uh, I, I send, you know, I'm a pain in the rear end to them because I'll get a thought and I'll send out a massive text and I said, I need this number by three o'clock. Why? Because I don't want to look up numbers if I'm watching film. So we all work together and, uh, and the communication that goes on during a game. And I'm just so proud of them and how important it is. And, I, you know, I don't know if we'll get a playoff game or not, but I'll tell you, to be able to get this game is a, is a testimony to them. And I'm, I'm not saying this for myself. I'm just shouting out to, to those guys who work very hard and are being rewarded with, I think, the best game in the, in the NFL this week. Great. The uh, and, you're a big Car- and you're a big Carson Wentz fan, so you get a chance. I'm a huge car. Well, what he's done, Bruce, I mean, you, I mean seriously. But he, he's playing with a practice squad wide receiver, yeah, Greg Ward. From Houston, who was a tremendous college quarterback for Tom Herman, not a, not 
you know, he's not an NFL caliber quarterback for, but what Tommy ran down in Houston and what, what Greg was able to do, they won the, um, America, whatever that conference is, A A C the all yeah. uh, the uh, let me see what is it? American A-A-C. Athletic. Um, American thank you. Athletic. Yes, thank you. And um and then the tight ends with Dallas Goddard and um, Miles Sanders is coming on the rookie from Penn State who was Saquon Barkley's backup. Right? It's just it's uh it's just fun to see a guy. In a tough town like Philly, right? I mean, if you brutal. <laughs> I mean, between Philadelphia and New York, dude, it is unbelievable, man. But in in a tough town like Philly, with the fans and stuff, and, and what Carson's pretty much has carried this offense, but he's gotten great help. And it's interesting they beat the Cowboys. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of that. Of course, in my one millionth delay of the year, I was watching uh, the Cowboys and Eagles in. 25 out of his 31 completions went to tight ends and running backs yesterday. That's just amazing production from those two positions. Amazing production. Well, the assumption is that sealed Jason Garrett's fate. Um, But the Cowboys are not out of it. If the Eagles lose to the Giants, and hey, the Giants can score, man, as you well know yesterday. Daniel Jones, uh, I wondered... You had a game 41-35. I was out and about yesterday. I was listening to a station that gave me, it was basically like NFL um, Red Zone radio, uh, that gave me constant updates. So Haskins leaves the game, and Haskins must have been pretty good yesterday. He was looked great. Uh, Daniel Jones looked great. So it's 41-35 in overtime, and a few days ago, a friend of mine, shout out to my friend Roy, sent me a uh, story from ESPN. They were doing like a bowl roundup thing for this year. And I wondered yesterday, while you were doing the Redskins and the Giants in this high-scoring affair, if you had a flashback to something ESPN wrote about this week. I want to read it to you. It says, One of the cruelest things this company, ESPN, has ever done is ask veteran announcer and former all-world linebacker Chris Spielman to do color commentary for the 2011 Alamo Bowl between Baylor and Washington. Baylor eventually won 67-56 to in an utterly astounding game that featured 123 combined points, 1,400 combined yards. Spielman's frustration with the quality of defensive play was visceral. You could feel it throughout the television. At any moment, it seemed like he was about to march downstairs, put on a uniform, and try to stop these offenses himself. That was RG3. I remember that because right. all the Browns fans were watching, hopeful they'd get RG3 yeah in the draft, but uh, are you able to, to uh, process an offensive fireworks show now a little better than you were back during your college announcing days? Oh, a little bit better. I mean, I think when back in my early days of announcing, I think uh, instead of analyzing the game, I was coaching the game mm. more. And, and maybe I remember one of the bosses at ESPN called me in uh, when I was up there one time and he said, hey, you do a great job, and, you know, we love you, all that crap. And then he says, why do you take everything so personal? <laughs> 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 so yesterday, and I put a new, I, I put a note. Over the last two years, I've made a uh, conscious effort to be more positive. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying why a, why a play didn't work, I'm trying to say why a play did work. In other words, I don't know if that even differentiate those. That does make a difference, yes. Yeah, and so I did, after yesterday, I think there were the first five possessions were touchdowns, right? And I think we came out of the break, and I said, hey, by the way, if I'm the defensive coordinators of both teams, I have the same message. 
Defense is not optional. It's mm-hmm. mandatory today. And uh, maybe that was my one dig or that I had to get out of my system. So. Uh, you must have had a, a bump uh, bump into at an airport. Uh, one of our listeners. I have an email here from to uh, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. You can almost always email the show from Martin. He says, "I just saw Chris at the airport. Introduced myself, told him I love the podcast, and I enjoy when Bruce gets a little surly. Always funny and spot on ninety five percent of the time." He says, "I missed an opportunity. I should have walked up and said." I'd flex, but I like this shirt. I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> Next time, Merry Christmas, fellas. Thanks for the podcast, Martin. Thank you, Martin. We appreciate that very much. That's uh, that shirt will be worn tomorrow morning as we have the uh, the the with with my my wife Carrie. We got the boot camp tomorrow no- morning, and the, the the Grinch that stole boot camp starts mm-hmm. tomorrow morning uh, early. Fantastic workout. Yeah, so. the flex. I'd flex, but I like this shirt. Is a flashback <laughs> to our discussion of Freddie Kitchens wearing uh, a T-shirt that said Pittsburgh started it, and Spiel said, "You know, I'd like to wear that T-shirt that I have. I'd flex, but I like this shirt out in public. But I have uh, too much self-awareness to do that." Uh, so Martin's email gives us an opportunity to transition into our conversation of the oh, Browns boy. and Bengals, and, uh, you know, look, I, I said, what was it, six weeks ago now, the dysfunction calendar, and there's always something, and it's never, we never talk about the game. Yesterday, the it Browns lose to the Ravens, wait. and we're talking about clock management. Uh, this wait, is wait, in, Before you go to that, I yeah. sent you an earlier week dysfunction when the, uh, Munkin, the offensive coordinator, says, yeah, it'd be nice if we'd be able to line up once or what, yeah. once in a while. But, but you know, that's unbelievable. But that's early in the week. If we want to cover their dysfunction on a daily basis, we're going to have to do a daily <laughs> podcast because that's, it's like I can't keep up. There's no. too many. It just keeps coming. No, You're it's, right. it's like the week that Jay Glazer talked about on the Fox pregame about Odell wanting out of Cleveland. And by the end of the game, that was no longer the best topic with the Browns. It was Baker saying that uh, the training staff had mishandled Odell's sports hernia. <laughs> so, you know, you, you got you, life moves fast. Life comes at you fast when you're a Browns fan trying to track their dysfunction. I, can I just one more time say before you go into the latest dysfunction, how you used to, because I didn't follow the Browns like you did. I mean, I followed generally, but not like you did. And, I thought you were speaking in hyperbole, and yeah. I want to apologize to you <laughs> because it's not. No. It's unbelievable. Like, the more I see it, every time I see something pop up, it it just doesn't stop. No. And it's it's amazing to me. It's like a blooming on. onion at Outback Steakhouse. You have to peel it back layer by layer because we're going to go through yesterday's dysfunction, and there's dysfunction within the dysfunction. Uh, which, you know, is bad for the Browns' future and may be bad for Baker Mayfield's acceptance in Cleveland. He's always been the guy that everybody's loved, but we saw evidence yesterday the Browns may be tiring of him a little bit. So here we go. Browns are up 6 nothing, And I just want you to, to picture you were doing this game. You were Tony Romo. You were the analyst. Browns have a 6 nothing lead on the Ravens. It's late in the half, and the Browns get the ball. A minute 50 to go. The Ravens spiels have no timeouts. Okay. The Ravens have no timeouts. You're up on them six to nothing. The Browns face a third and one. And just to refresh people's memories, the Browns have the NFL's leading rusher, Nick Chubb. <laughs> they have Kareem Hunt, who I believe led the NFL in rushing a couple years ago, right? Yeah, close to it. Okay. So. Ravens out of timeouts, Browns third and one at their own 37. 
they flip it on a pitch to Kareem Hunt to throw a halfback pass. A halfback pass. By the way, Nick Chubb, NFL's leading rusher, the first time he played against the Ravens, who are like 20-something in the NFL and run defense, Nick Chubb had 165 yards rushing when the Browns beat the Ravens in Baltimore. I think that was in week four, yes, because the Ravens is the last time they lost, and they dropped it 2-2. Two and two. Okay, so the Browns, instead of handing it to Nick Chubb or handing it to Kareem Hunt, they flip it to Kareem Hunt, who goes wide and is holding the ball up in the air like it's, I don't know, something. He's clearly going to try a halfback pass, which gets blown up for an eight-yard loss. Browns punt to the Ravens, uh, who, again, have no timeouts. They take all of two plays to go, um, I don't know, 70 yards for a touchdown. Two plays. Uh, okay, so now the Browns are down 7-6. to six. They get the ball back uh, with 118 left in the half. Okay, Mr. Spielman, would you as an analyst now, the Browns are down 7-6. Give me your take on the halfback pass and what the Browns should do now, down 7-6 to six with the ball, 118 left at their own 20. Well, for me, here's, here's what I do. Now, you're probably going to disagree with this. The halfback pass is one of those calls where if it works, what a great call. If it doesn't work, you freaking idiot, right? It's yeah. just, there's no in-between on that. Uh, I don't like the call, but I can understand why it's run. And with 118 to go in the NFL, that's a, a loaded uh, – you, you, you got to go ahead, and, and especially at home, you got to get going. Yeah, the Browns had two timeouts, two timeouts. You got to run your offense. You got to run your two-minute drill, and you try to get down and field. That's a a lifetime, 118. Would you change Uh, your mind, given that the first play was almost intercepted? It was intercepted, but the ball hit the ground just before it was intercepted. Would you change your mind after a first down play where the ball was almost intercepted? No, I I wouldn't, Bruce. I mean, I I cannot not, like, be afraid to make, mistakes or throw picks i can't be hampered by that that i'm just i don't have a problem with any of it okay so on, well here freddie kitchens i should go back to the halfback pass he said they threw the halfback pass on third down because they were going to go for it on fourth down fourth and one at their own 28 up six nothing right. you sanction going for it at your own 28 uh, they didn't have to because Hunt lost eight yards, but he said, no, we ran the halfback pass because on fourth down, we were going, man. We were up 6 nothing I, from our own 28. We're handing it off on fourth down and going for it. No, I probably wouldn't have gone for it on fourth and one. And if I got the lead and, and they have zero timeouts, I'd put the football. Yes, you know, no then, sane person would go for that in that situation. No, no, but, no, that that's probably one where I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for it. But as far as running a halfback pass, again – you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing. And, and it's there's no in-between with that. Now, the safe play, obviously, would be to run tub or actually have a guy that's used to throwing the ball. If you're going to throw it, throw it. Yes. Yeah, and but the 118, that's a no-brainer for me. That's a, with two timeouts, you got to go try to get at least in field goal position. Okay, so no the Browns, first pass almost intercepted. They come back, they throw it on second down. It gets batted and almost intercepted. They stick with the plan, throw it on third down. Uh, remarkable consistency. That also is batted that, down. On that third down, I, I probably wouldn't have thrown it. Yeah. Then I probably would have run it. There's no timeouts. And try to then say, okay, well, we the first two didn't work. 
let's run the ball, let's go at halftime and regroup, just so you know where my mindset would be at that point. Correct. I, I think that's the correct round. play. Sec- third and yeah. ten, okay, let's just get out of here. We're down a point. Ravens are getting the ball to start the third quarter. Let's not give them the ball and have a chance to go up 14-6. to six. Yeah. But the Browns persist, and they threw it, and it got batted down. And so Baker Mayfield is walking off the field to booze, having taken all of 16 seconds off the clock. There's 102 left now. The Browns are punting to Baltimore. Baker's leaving the field, and the Browns are booing. And Baker waves at them as if like, ah, get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. Which leads to, uh, I believe it was Fox, showing a guy in a Bernie Kosar jersey. Like, how perfect is this? A guy in a Bernie Kosar jersey flipping off Baker Mayfield and screaming obscenities at him as Baker Mayfield is coming off the field. And I I tweeted this morning, I said, how perfect is it that the guy doing the flipping is in a Bernie jersey as if a past bygone era of great Browns teens that paid attention to detail were saying to these current group of posers, you guys have no right to our legacy. You can wear our colors. You can call yourselves the Browns. You're not us. Because sure enough, they punt to the Ravens, and the Ravens go length of the field. Again, two touchdown drives. of This one was 80 yards. The first one was like almost 70. Two touchdown drives with no timeouts. And the Browns yeah, end so up trailing 14-6. to six. We were actually, uh, Tom was, uh, we were uh, at halftime, I think, and we turned around and said, I just asked him, because we have a, a score thing monitor in the back of our booth i said what's going on with the browns and right it was six nothing and all of a sudden they're down 14 to six and i yeah. just want somebody must have returned an interception or a touchdown or or something so i mean certainly you can blame baker and freddie and all that but how about the defense giving up two touchdowns in four plays yeah true coverage Man, bus. That's awful. you know that's awful so it's just uh it's not what anybody envisioned, and the whole question thing to me is this can't continue. You can't have the insubordination constantly on this team. Now, I get when there's a, one argument a year yeah. between a coach or a player. I mean, we see that a lot, right? It's, it's multiple players – multiple times it's almost every week it was Beckham yesterday Beckham came over he's screaming he's throwing his helmet he's yelling at Freddie Kitchens now he said after the game no he was mad at the officials because the officials you know called unsportsmanlike conduct on him and I've been doing that touchdown celebration all year it doesn't matter the fact that your players feel free to go over and have that kind of a conversation with the head coach indicates you have no discipline in your franchise. Do you see the Patriots doing that with Belichick? Do you see the Saints doing that with Sean Payton? Do you see the 49ers doing that with Shanahan? Good teams don't do it. The Ravens don't do it to John Harbaugh. Nobody does it to Mike Tomlin. The fact that players feel free to go over and show up the head coach in that situation is a situation that cannot be allowed to continue. Freddie Kitchens has to be fired. You have to cut your losses You've had nine of them. You may have 10 Sunday in Cincinnati. I would pick the Bengals to win that game, given the fight the Bengals showed yesterday. The Browns have to move on from Freddie Kitchens. Is it fair to get rid of a guy in a year? I would argue, yeah, it is, because these kinds of things continue to happen. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm you and I, I think, are both normally a proponent of three years. Right? Yes, I, normally, yes. Yeah, and but for this, when we, when we see... 
that there's um, they they keep denying it, but our eyes keep telling us something different, like the lack of discipline on this team. Uh, the thing that got me that got me a little bit, and if I were a head coach, and I don't know if this is addressed behind the scenes or not. And if you have an argument with a coach, I think it's you might have, like I said, one or two a year on the sidelines, right? Not every mm-hmm. week. But when Jarvis Landry made that statement that when he celebrated, he got an unsportsmanlike conduct, correct? Yes. And then he said, well, I, I would do it again. I would do it again because, because that, that cost the Browns a point. They yeah. missed the extra point. They moved him back. They missed the extra point. And that point almost, that was one of their wins. But that point yeah. could have ended up costing them, forcing them to go into overtime because they led by they led by three instead of by four in that game. So, yeah, I'd do it again. No, it's a dumb play. You cost your yeah. team. And again... But it just goes to show you the mindset that they they think they're team guys and they're not being team guys no. by their actions. That's that's the frustrating thing. And and the thing I worry about with Baker, um, here's and I think I've said this last year about him, and I'm going to say this year about him. What I always tell you at that position, and Dwayne does a pretty good job of this, and Daniel Jones does a good job of this, and all the great quarterbacks, they don't let emotions dictate yeah. their decisions. Accuracy and decision-making. Accuracy and decision-making. Have digressed or regressed, excuse me, for Baker Mayfield. Yes. Right? Yes. And, Without and, question. And, but I think he, he – I, I want him to do well, and I'm, I think I've been a fan of his. I want him to do well. I thought he was tremendous last year. I thought there was going to be big things. But the one thing I, if I were – if Baker were ever to call me or the Browns ever called two guys in the basement NFL consulting company mm-hmm. – and we were to go up there, and I were to sit down with Baker. I would the first thing I would say to him, dude, the rabbit ears. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it, it, you know, it, it's whether you're in a press conference, whether you're getting a fight with Tony Grossi, you're getting in a fight with a fan. I mean, you're getting in fights on Twitter. The rabbit ears are, are going to be your demise. Don't I've you said, understand that? I've said this with him. He bought a house with cork walls. Everything goes on his bulletin board. Everything. Like, I want to tell him like I want to tell Draymond Green. You've made it. Draymond, you're an all-star. You're a world champion. Stop telling me how many guys were taken ahead of you in the NFL draft, in, in the NBA draft. Baker, you're not a walk-on. You were the Heisman Trophy winner, the number one overall pick. Stop trying to prove to people that you belong. Your resume proves you belong. Now it's time to move on yeah. and win football games and devote yourself only, only to things that factor in to winning. That's all. He doesn't need to constantly prove how tough he is and what a competitor he is. You know, just all your energy needs to not be, or your anger needs to be controlled and directed toward execution, not getting in fights with reporters and fans and this guy said this about me and I'll fight him and I mean I just uh, it, it's somebody needs to go in there that has a hammer and if OBJ steps out of line or and they start doing their own thing or Jarvis Landry starts doing his own thing because pretty soon Bruce 
subconsciously it seeps into other players and younger players, and all of a sudden they think that's the norm, and there can be that type of behavior. And I'm not, like I said, we're not on our first incident here, right? No, we are not. It just keeps happening, and they think that type of behavior is the norm, and it's not the norm. And uh, I think Solomon Wilcox, I heard, said this um, on the radio show, and I thought this was a really, really great point. He said, and he was referring to Miles Garrett. And he says Miles Garrett isn't really that guy, you know, with the helmet incident, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know. But he said because he's constantly surrounded by that, you turn out, you turn into that. When you don't even know you're turning into that right. until something happens. That's I thought right. that was, you know, I mean, that made me really think about that's that. That's a great comment. You might have something there. Yeah, you know? I think that's great insight. And let me give an example, and I think you'll concur with this example, of a guy who had reason to be chip on the shoulder guy and, and, and is, but he's channeled it into making himself a great player, being single-minded, purposeful in becoming a great player. Congratulations to former Buckeye Michael Thomas, who yesterday set a record in the 100-year history of the National Football League. Nobody's ever caught more passes in a single season Michael Thomas. 145 catches on 176 targets. 82% 82% of the balls thrown to him. You think people game plan for Michael Thomas? Yeah, yeah, he still catches passes. Michael Thomas could spend his time belly aching and groaning and moaning about the fact that he was the fifth wide receiver taken in the 2016 NFL draft behind Corey Coleman of the Browns, who was the first one taken, behind Laquan Treadwell, behind Josh Doxson, behind Sterling Shepard. But no, instead, Michael Thomas has channeled whatever disappointment he had over being the 47th overall pick and a mid-second round pick to the New Orleans Saints, and he's used it to make himself a great, and I mean great, player. He's on his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame if he keeps playing like this, and there's no reason to think he won't. That is the lesson Baker Mayfield should take from a guy like Mike Thomas and channel it into being a great player. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Congratulations, and... You, you're right. Everybody knows the ball's going to him, and never has there been a truer Twitter handle than Can't Guard Mike. Correct. I mean, that's so Can't Guard Mike, and nobody can. <laughs> Which is that's the best Twitter handle on the, on the Twitter world. Uh, another quarterback, just for conversation, that um, really struggles with this, a young guy, in, is Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. right? The rabbit ears? Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. We, the week I went – I did a Bears game, and I was went back there. They lost two in a row. And I was reading articles, getting prepared for the game, and he wanted all the TVs – actually demanded all the TVs in the facility be shut off because there's too much negativity. <sighs> man, oh, man, dude. Like blinders is on. A, is that a millennial thing? That, or is that- I, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, that's look. If you if you have that mindset, I would say you're never going to make it. You're just yeah, never going to make it. If the outside noise, if you can't shut the outside noise off, you're never yeah. going to make it. And that's what the Browns have to do this week. They play the Bengals uh, before we get to the Bengals, who are surprisingly an example of. People who are fighting through adversity, uh, it's time for our Flashes of Fun picture-perfect play of the day. Lamar Jackson made it 
wasn't the most uh, well-advised throw, but everything's working out Lamar Jackson's way. Here's Tony Romo and Jim Nance with the call. The second touchdown, Ravens against the Browns on Sunday. This is a shot to the end zone time. Cleveland for 28 minutes, controlled, and now Jackson and the Ravens. He flips it to the end zone, and it's pulled down. What a catch, Andrews again, and what a play by Jackson, off balance, able to unload it with players all around him. I'm telling you right now, no quarterback should do that. That The Hatters, he gets sacked. Yeah, no quarterback should have done that. He threw it late over the middle, but he's doing it against the Browns, so he got away with it, and uh, it's Lamar <laughs> Jackson's world. Flashes of fun. You should do that. You should book your... Thank you, uh, by the way. Yes, there you go. I got your uh, Lamar Jackson all highlight. All I got to say is you're welcome to everybody. Yes. Uh, flashes of fun. Book them online. Pictures for uh, your family. Pictures of your pets, uh, pictures of, you know, prom pictures, whatever. You want to commemorate an occasion, Flashes of Fun will do it for you. Book it online, save 50 bucks, and you'll save hundreds, if not thousands, on your uh, photography session. Their pictures used now viewed over 6 million times on Unsplashed. So, uh, flashesofun.com. I hey, do, th- again, I hey, want you to go. I, why I said you're welcome. Because I'm giving you a Lamar Jackson highlight, and you're first on the Lamar Jackson train. I want you to do me a favor today, back there in central Ohio while I'm out in Arizona. I want you to go to YouTube, and I want you to call up the Browns and the Ravens highlights, okay, from yesterday's game. And it's like, I don't know, 15 minutes long. You don't have to watch all 15 minutes. I want you to go to like 10.50, the 10.50 mark of the tape, and watch one play, which is why I say Lamar Jackson is not sustainable. There's a fumble on the snap. He picks it up, and he makes a great play. He picks it up he runs to the right and he gains like seven or eight yards but as he gets to the sideline instead of going out of bounds he tries to get like a bigger play up the sideline like the Matt Ryan play only he doesn't make any bones about it and he takes a huge shot a huge unnecessary shot and I've not said he's not a good player I've said he's not sustainable, which means you're you're absolutely right on that. two, three oh, years in. Right. I've never said he can't play. He can play. I just don't know how long he can play. And again, the throw to Andrews, it's you get away with it against a bad team, against a good team. That play, it could win the Ravens the game, yeah. or it could lose the Ravens the game. Yeah, but you know what? He's not afraid to try to win. No, the he's game. not, and not afraid to throw it. And some guys are. But I said earlier, accuracy and decision-making, I don't think he has decision-making. He's more accurate than I give him credit for, although sometimes he's inaccurate. He's more yeah. accurate than I give him credit for. Romo yesterday was saying how he throws it on the right side of guys, and he does in some situations. But the decision-making, the shot he took on the sidelines, Chris, holy that's, cow. Well, that's, that's a concern for me, too. That's a concern for every Ravens fan. They're all wanting him. Dude, dude go slide. Or go out of bounds after you get your positive yards. Yeah. You know, and there's a time that, you know, that's, but I think he's going to get better at that, Bruce, as, as, uh, the more he plays. And I think he'll, he'll start taking less and less shots like that. But it's, it's just fun to see. And, you know, I love that type of quarterback. And we talked about this before. That's just my taste, right? That's my, that's what I love because that's what I hated playing against. So that's what I love. Sure. That makes sense to you. Absolutely. I like the big pocket guys who stand back there and can move around a little bit. Uh, You know, and Aaron Rodgers can do that. And obviously Trevor Lawrence can do that. And Justin Fields can do that. 
Uh, Andy and, Dalton uh, did, did Red it. Red Rifle. Yeah, Red Andy Rifle. did it some yesterday for the Bengals. He scrambled for a two-point conversion to get him a tie, uh, improbable tie, but, you know, I, the joke is Bengals going to bangle. They score 16 points in the last 29 seconds. I didn't realize how odd or unusual it is to get an onside kick. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals got their first onside kick since 2010. Well, because of the rule change, it's even more difficult. Yeah, the last two years where you can't like get a running start to field an onside kick anymore. And you can only have five on one side. Right. Only 12 of the last 112 onside kicks have been successful. Yeah. So they get an onside kick. They score. They get a 25-yard pass to Tyler Eifert with four seconds left. Hey, I want to shout out Tyler Boyd. This is, this is what we're talking about with a guy not being a me guy, not being a selfish guy. So Boyd makes a catch to get him to the 25. The clock is ticking uh, out. There's like seven seconds left. Tyler Boyd injures his hamstring or gets a cramp or something. And if Tyler Boyd just rolls over and, oh, whoa, is me, I'm, you know, I'm hurt, you know what happens, right? 10-second runoff, Bengals out of timeouts, right? and the game's over. Instead, Tyler Boyd crawls over, jumps up, gets into position for the play. Andy Dalton runs up, spikes the ball with four Great. seconds left. And they make it. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just a selfless play that's by Tyler team Boyd. Guy. Team guy. Yeah. Love it. It's just they're so – the Bengals are, are so uh, deficient in talent. I mean, it, that whole thing's got to start from the ground up, and I'm afraid that Andy Dalton uh, – you got to draft Joe Burrow, I think, uh, and maybe keep Andy in there to start. He's got one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, then let Joe probably come in. I, I would do it almost like the Giants did with Eli and Daniel Jones and, you know, three or four games, five games in you got to get Joe ready to go. Well, you could um, trade Andy. I, do you think you'd get a ton more for Andy Dalton? I don't you know tra- if you trade him with that salary, Bruce. Well, here's the I thing. Mean, what I'm thinking is they need talent, like you said. He has some trade value to, I don't know, Carolina, Chicago, somewhere. But yeah. is his trade value for an entire season greater than his trade value or appreciably greater. I think it is greater, but is it appreciably greater than it would be at the NFL trade deadline next season where you assess no. the market, who's hurt, who yeah. needs a starter? Can this guy step in someplace where your starter's hurt and carry you for three, four, five, six I, weeks and keep you in the playoff hunt? I actually think he can be a starter still in this league. Uh, I really do. I just think the Bengals need to blow it up and start over. Team that interests me because I'm not sure Philip Rivers is going to be being the quarterback for the Chargers. Yeah, and you know I don't know if the Chargers are going to be in the market for a, a quarterback. But there, I, I if if I worked, I like Andy Dalton. I mean, I think Andy can play. Uh, I really do. Um, if you have everything else around him, I think he can right. play. Yeah, and I think the Chargers do have the pieces in place, and I just think Philip's time has run its course and. In Los Angeles with the Chargers, so I do too. But I but know, I, I got to give that some thought. I got to give that some thought thought right now. Well, I think the I, Bengals. I don't think Andy Dalton's a Bengal at this time next year. But I think no. there are merits to keeping him for the start of the year, and then there are merits to letting him go at the trade deadline to clear the decks for Joe Burrow yeah. because they do need yeah. talent. Uh, but the Bengals have the Browns this week, and I'm telling you. Andy Dalton deserves a walk off win with the Bengals because the Bengals have clinched the first pick. They can't lose the first pick. 
By the way, was uh, your game yesterday? Congratulations to the losing Redskins. They win the chase for Chase. They've they've almost clinched unless they screw it up and beat the Eagles. They've almost uh, they've almost no, clinched. Cowboys. Oh, Cowboys. Yeah, uh, but the the Giants or the Redskins, whoever lost that yesterday, was going to have the inside lane to the number two pick, which many people think will be Chase Young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to put another Buckeye there. Urban can go down there and coach Terry. Yes, I know that that was one of the first things I thought of. But then we had the Jason, we had the Jason Lock and Fora report yesterday that uh, Jimmy Haslam and Urban are buddies and that Urban's going to coach the Browns. Uh, I've been told by somebody very close to Urban that he's already turned that job down twice and no way would he ever coach the Cleveland Browns. I've been told that he's uh, I've been told I don't know if it's true or not. The second, third hand told me that, yes, he's turned that down turn that job down multiple times. So I guess that report's out there, but uh, who knows? I, he's out of coaching and you know, it's uh, that lure of the NFL and that challenge. And uh, it would be just the thing I want to see would be OBJ coming over to him and start screaming at him. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah right. or I, I, I'd pay money for that. Oh, I'd buy goodness. season tickets just waiting for that explosion to happen. Yeah, so, that'd be that'd be uh, that would not or be Landry or or whoever or Baker flipping off the crowd or whatever. Uh, so I think, you know, I would I'm, I would pick the Bengals to win this game against the Browns. The Browns have nothing to play for. They've already, I think Freddie Kitchens is fired after this game, either Sunday night or Monday. Uh, they win the game, they're 7-9. and nine. They still have more losses than last year. I think they got to part with him. But the Bengals are playing hard still for Zach Taylor. And uh, I, I, I hope for Andy Dalton that he gets cheered off the field at Paul Brown on Sunday if it's his last game. And it would yeah, be, I agree. there's no downside to the Bengals winning that game for their future. Well, I don't even know if there'll be any, you know, I mean, I don't know who's going to be there besides friends and family. So I do think chances of him getting cheered off the field are pretty good. Yeah. Well, Odell Beckham, I'll be interested to see if he's there because he's got the sports hernia and um, we'll see if he gets out there and plays it. Yeah. Uh, as we transition out here in the faith aspect, it's fitting we're talking about the Bengals and we mentioned Joe Burrow because I wanted to highlight uh, what has happened in a week since Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy. And you probably have heard about his uh, impact on the Athens Food Bank. I just want to update that story. Joe Burrow made a reference in his Heisman Trophy speech to coming from Athens County, and there's a lot of poor people there, and a lot of kids go hungry, guys he knows, and he said, I'm up here for all of you because you can recognize your dreams too. So uh, after hearing that, some guy started a Facebook page, Donate to the Athens Food Bank, and he thought he'd raise 1000 bucks. Well, like in a night, it had raised 50000 and now it's up to almost a half a million dollars. That's amazing. And other food banks around the country are benefiting. Um, but also, just beyond that, uh, one, of the, one of the teachers uh, at the uh, Federal Hawking Middle School, 10 miles east of Athens, uh, played Joe Burrow's Heisman speech for her seventh grade class. And afterward, the class members said uh, they wanted to write letters to Joe Burrow. So this is in Peter King's, uh, it's uh, on his profootballtalk.com column today. Uh, He got a copy of the letter. Boy, Peter does a great job with this column. So here's the letter from a seventh-year-old boy to Joe Burrow. Dear Joe Burrow, thank you for showing me and other children that no matter where you're from or your life story, if you work hard, you can achieve greatness. Also, thank you for giving back to your community. You have inspired me to not be embarrassed by my life story and work hard to achieve my goals. Again, thank you very much. 
And the kid signed his name and under it wrote, just a kid from Southeast Ohio, which is a reference <laughs> that Joe Burrow made in his Heisman speech. I just thought that was phenomenal. Well, that is phenomenal. And it just goes to show that uh, there's a song called We Are the Body, mm -hmm. you know, and if we are the body, then you got to start moving. Right. And so Joe, I think, has done a tremendous job of understanding all his God given gifts. And they're not only for for uh, Joe to enjoy what he's all the hard work paying off, but Joe understands that it's his, it's his responsibility to give back and that God can use him in a great way. I don't even know where Joe stands on the, on the, in his faith. I have no idea, but I do know this, that God certainly is using him uh, for a greater good. And that's something that everybody should celebrate in my opinion. Absolutely. I thought it was fitting um, as you know, this is Christmas week um, and there's going to be a lot of talk about, you know, I think at Christmas people are uh, more prone to give to others, and we all uh, understand the concept of it's better to give than to receive the joy we get out of seeing other people get presents from us at Christmas time. But I thought it was an important message as Joe Burrow is doing what Joe Burrow can do in the way that God has given him gifts and planted him, you know, where he's planted him. Um, and that's basically that's Christian service, folks. And, you know, this young man from the seventh grade in Athens talking about um, I can recognize my dreams. Um, may not have felt very special until he felt like Joe Burrow was paying attention to him. Whatever your station in life is, you know. Can I read a Can I read a verse for you that is uh, relevant to this? Absolutely. So Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine so others can see it. Then they will see the good things you do, and they will bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I think that was quite appropriate for the story that you just shared. Sure. And, you know, Jesus came for everybody. You might think, you know, well, I'm, I'm nobody. I heard yesterday a definition of humility from C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. In other words, thinking of yourself less often. Well, C.S. Lewis, I mean, that's a, he's, he's a genius. Yeah. So there you go. Former atheist, too, I believe. Yes. So, you know, this it's it's Christmas. Uh, the image of a baby in a manger is one that everybody can embrace. But just remember, you know, we talk in sports about single-mindedness and purpose and dedicating yourself to a cause and the phrase, a man on a mission, like LeBron when he came back to Cleveland to win a title. Yeah. The phrase, man on a mission, applies to no one more aptly than it does to Jesus, who came knowing his mission, which is to die for all of humanity and to forgive us for our sins. And both Chris and I are blessed to have uh, been raised in such a way that that was uh, important in our homes. And uh, we have made it a cornerstone of our own families. And we would encourage you to do the same thing, to at least investigate it. We, we're not yeah. trying to tell you what to do, but I just say after you investigate it and, and really look at the free gift of salvation that's there just for accepting it, just ask yourself a question. Is, is there any reason why I wouldn't want this? Is there any reason why? What is my reason for not wanting it? Because, you know, Jesus Christ is the determiner of men's eternal, eternal destinies. Everybody's eternal destiny is going to be determined by what they do with Jesus Christ. So if you're going to reject him, just know why. You know, make that, make that decision. Understand the gravity of it. And if you make a decision not to accept it, um, you know, I'll, I'll mourn for you because I think you've made a fatal, a fatal mistake. But uh, at least make, 
be aware of the gravity of that decision. Um, and Christmas time is a good time I, to reflect I, yeah. on it. Not, you know, also, I encourage people to know why you believe, too, yeah. right? To, to investigate, okay, well, I mean, just don't take my word for it or your word for it. Put the time and effort in to say, okay, well, why? If I'm supposed to believe in this, why? I like, I always said as I grew in my faith, I knew what I believed. I just, when I was young, I didn't know why I believed it because mm-hmm. I was told to believe it, right. you know? But, there, but now, I, you know, obviously I figured out why. So yeah. the, the other thing I want to do, um, real quick, Bruce, is, well, I'll, I'll save this for another time, but I want to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas to a to, uh, Happy Hanukkah, or if, mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're not a believer or you don't celebrate Christmas, just enjoy your time and uh, maybe think about it. That's all. But I just want to, it's really cool and it's a great time of the year and I'm excited for it. So Merry Christmas to everybody and and thank you for listening. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to spending time with my family out here in Arizona. You'll have your family there in uh, Columbus. You'll be traveling to, was your game in Philly? No, it's in uh, New York or New Jersey. So MetLife. MetLife. Very good. Um, hopefully I'll bump into the Stover family. We encourage you uh, for Christmas, get your turkeys at Stover Farms Custom Meats up in Powell, 4000 Presidential Parkway. Spiels and I will confer about our schedule for the rest of the week. I think it's safe to say we'll not do a podcast on Wednesday for Christmas, but uh, we'll check his travel schedule and uh, my Fiesta Bowl reporting schedule and We'll put it on Twitter and on our Facebook page to let you know when we're going to be back this week. But we do encourage all of you to have a great Christmas. Um, Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy what it means. Reflect on what it means. Enjoy your family. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. We appreciate it. Have a great Monday and a great Christmas week.